1: Come on, too much sadness, a whole lot of madness going on. It's time that we have some gladness. And if they can't find it in the house of God, watch out. We are in trouble because we've got the answer and the answer's name is Jesus. So come on, I need you to give me some gladness in the house. Can I hear a big yeah in the house? Come on, let's try that one more time. Some gladness in the house. One, two, three. Wow, fantastic gladness. So over this month, we're really looking at gladness in two thoughts. We're looking at gladness in his house. Say with me, his house in the church. And we look at the scripture that's on our banner. It's going to be on the screen. It's Psalms 122 verse 1. It says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let me say that one more time. I was glad when they said unto I wish more people would be glad about coming to church. A lot of people miserable and oppressed and they don't realize the gladness they need is found in the house of God. And that's why we're teaching series like this, because we need the gladness to be alive in every one of us. So first, gladness in his house. But secondly, we're talking about there has to be gladness in our house. Someone say it with me. Gladness in my house. Come on. Gladness in my house. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 and it says these words. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit or the temple of God who is in you. God is in you. God in you, the hope of glory. So there needs to be gladness, yes, in his house. But can I tell you what brings gladness to his house? When there's gladness in our house. Because if everyone in here came in depressed tonight, how many knows there wouldn't be a whole lot of gladness in the house? So we bring the gladness to his house. The gladness is available in his house, but we have to be there to partake in that. So our main focus really again tonight and for this whole series is going to be talking about gladness in our house, in my house, which as I said in turn builds gladness in his house. As we discussed on Sunday, we're not just talking about having happiness. It's great to be happy and I think you should be happy. But you know what? Happiness is just a part of gladness. It's not the source from which gladness comes. It's a byproduct of gladness. When you're glad, you'll be happy. But one thing we've discovered about happiness is happiness is dependent upon your circumstances. If life is great, you're happy. If life is bad, you're not so happy, which means you're unhappy. No happy. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, no happy. No happy is not a good thing, is it? So happiness is dependent upon your surroundings, what you find yourself in. But gladness, we discovered on Sunday, it's not about our circumstances, what we're facing. But despite it all, we can be connected to God. And through connection to our source, no matter what comes our way, there can be a joy that rises inside of us. There can be an inner strength that comes forth, that when people are looking and waiting for us to cry, we're smiling. And all we can say is, only God. Come on, it's connected to a source that despite it all, still enables gladness to rise in such, or in our hearts. I want us to look once again, if I could, at the scripture we talked on Sunday a little bit about. John 15, verse 11. John 15 is a great passage in the Bible that talks about abiding in God, that He is the vine, we are the branches, and how we need to be connected, how we need to be abiding in Him. The Bible tells us, as we were to read that passage in more detail, it tells us that when we bear in Him, we're going to bear fruit. But listen to this, much fruit. Not just fruit, but much fruit. And listen to this, the Bible says, and your fruit shall remain. How many are glad, or how many are mad enough and tired enough of the devil stealing things from you? The Bible says there's a gladness that can come in your life when we abide in God, that no matter what, Satan can't steal that fruit from our lives. And look what it says in verse 11. It says, these things I have spoken to you. What things? The things I just said. Read it for yourself when you get home. God's instructed us. And he says, that my joy, say with me, gladness, that my joy, God's gladness may remain in you. Not be in you for a moment and go. But God says there's a gladness, a joy that I want to put inside of you as you abide in me. Stay connected to the source that will remain inside of you. And read on, it gets better. That your joy may be running on empty. That your joy may be full. So there is a remaining joy and remaining gladness that God wants to put inside of every one of us, that we won't be running on empty, but we, we will be running full. I want to ask you a question, and let's be really honest tonight. Think about what you're saying before you respond. Or think about what you're responding to before you respond. How many people here are totally full of the gladness of God tonight? Praise God, Mildred, I love you, sweetheart. How many know, uh, realizes tonight that we need some more of the gladness of God in our lives? Come on, we're not living up to the potential that God says there's going to be in us. Are we really completely full? We need to be and we should be. And we need to get to that place that when someone asks us, Dustin, how are you doing? That we don't have to lie. That we can look at them and say, you know what? I'm doing great. Because the joy of the Lord wants to be our strength wants to be alive inside of us. You know how some people, when you ask them how they're doing, it's one of those questions you wish you'd never asked them? You know, good or bad would have been a good answer, but 25 minutes later, they haven't even got to good and bad. They're everywhere in between, and they're telling you about this, that, and everything else. You know what? That's what's happening in many people's lives. But I believe as children of God, we can say to people, you know what? I've lost my job today, but you know what? God is still good. Come on, we can turn around and say, you know what, I haven't been feeling too good lately and the doctors haven't given me a great praise report. But can I tell you a, pra- a great report, but can I give you a praise report tonight? God is able to heal me and I'm believing that God is going to touch my life. There can be gladness that no matter what, there can be a testimony inside of every one of us. Nehemiah 8 verse 10, as I just quoted, it says, For the joy of the Lord is my Strength, look at it at the end. do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength, so Sunday we looked at what can destroy, what can steal, what can take our gladness, and one of satan 's greatest tools is the tool of worry sunday we 're going to be dealing with insecurity, Sunday week God willing we 're going to be dealing with guilt, can steal our gladness from our lives. How many knows the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus if you 're living in guilt. Listen, Jesus didn't die for you to still be in guilt. It's no condemnation. I'm preaching ahead already, but it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I don't know what else we're going to say, but it's going to be good. But we worry for what? We worry when we don't have it, and then we worry when we do have it. We worry when we don't have it that we ever will have it, and when we do have it, we worry that we're going to lose it. Come on, how many knows we've got some problems Worry, 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 and it's one of Satan's greatest tools. Worry is a lose-lose situation. It's a lose-lose situation. It won't help us, it will only consume us and end up immobilizing us. But we all deal with it. Whether we admit it or not, we all deal with worry. And that's why worry is so easily justified, isn't it? It's so easy to justify worry to other people. Well, you just don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. We can justify it because why? Everyone else is doing it. It's a part of everyday life. But guess what? God commands us not to worry. God says, do not worry. So if God says that we don't have to worry, can I tell you right now, God doesn't ask you to do something that's impossible to do. I want to say that one more time. God never requires of us something that's impossible to do. I didn't say it would be easy. I didn't say there would be some struggles and some, there has to be some commitment. There has to be some faithfulness. There has to be some, some work that we put into it. But all things are possible, the Bible says, to those who believe. Those who believe in God. Those who love God. Those who live for God. So God says, don't worry. So if he's telling us that we're not to worry... You've got to believe that there's somewhere in here that He tells us why we don't have to worry and how we don't have to worry. And tonight we're going to talk about that. Can we talk about that just really quickly tonight? And then we're going to break up, okay? To worry is what? To doubt God's ability that He is able to handle it. To worry is to doubt God's ability. That he's able to handle it. So turn with me tonight to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Here's what we're going to take home tonight with us. Here's what's going to change our life. Here's what's going to change us from worrying to a place of trusting God. Okay? And please note, when Paul writes this, he's in prison. He's not in prison like we think of it now, getting three meals a day. Really nice. I mean, he's in a tough place. And he's writing things like this from prison. I'm telling you right now, it takes a lot to write stuff like this. But you know what? He's not lying. He's writing the truth because God was with him, sustaining him, giving it. So look what he writes from prison. Verse 4 of Philippians 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you're deaf and you didn't get it the first time, he said, Again, I will say, rejoice. Listen, as Christians, we are commanded to rejoice under all circumstances. All circumstances. And as we are obedient to to God's word, guess what happens? The joy of the Lord becomes possible in our lives. As we're obedient to God, that we can. Habakkuk, look, look what it says in Habakkuk 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor there be fruit on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. How many says that's a pretty good definition of recession right there? Okay, what does he go on to say? Yet I will still, or yet I will rejoice. Not grip my teeth and bear it, but there'll be a joy inside of me. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God. Of my salvation. Salvation means my deliverance. Let me say that one more time. You didn't get it. God says, I'm your deliverance. That we can have joy in our deliverance. Come on, say with me. Not in stuff. Not in stuff. Let me say it in American so you understand what I'm saying. Not in stuff. Pete was the only one who repeated that after me because he's the English man. Come on, not in stuff. Only in God. That's where our problem is. We put all our joy Everything we have in stuff instead of placing it in God. Listen to what the message Bible says of Philippians 4, verse 4. I love it. It says this celebrate God all day, every day, and I mean, revel in Him. Isn't that good? Celebrate God all day, every day, and I mean revel in Him. Listen to this. If you've taken notes tonight, this is a good place or a good thing to take down. Our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. Our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. It's no wonder people don't come to church Because of the state of the people who do come to church. Here's what we must grasp. No matter what, no matter what happens to you, God is with you. That's why Paul says, I can rejoice because I know God is with me. He's not left me, He hasn't forsaken me. I may not be where I want to be, but I can still rejoice because I can have a confidence in God. You know, here's a bonus for you. You know why a lot of the reason I think people worry and doubt? It's because they know they're in the wrong place. People worry and doubt because they know that God really isn't in control of their life. Just think about that. We say God's in control, but really is He? God's only in control of that which is surrendered, yielded, and given to Him. If we're not giving it to God, He's not. That's why a lot of people do worry. Because they worry, is that really God? Did God really say that? They worry because they're not in the place where they need to be, so therefore they worry. My Bible notes under the scripture we just read in Philippians 4 says, if you haven't been joyful lately, you're not looking at life from the right perspective. You need to start seeing it from God's side. Come on, wrong perspective is not good because wrong perspective is never God. It's not good if it's not God. And it's not God, it's not good. Verse 5. Let your gentleness or your graciousness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. In other words... What testimony? What's the testimony of your life? That's what Paul is saying. Rejoice always. But hold on a second, buddy. What's your testimony of your life? Because what your life should be should be seen by all men. You're the witness. You're the evangelistical tool. You're the Bible that people see. Read on. We've got to get through this tonight. Be anxious for nothing. New Living Translation says, Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasseth all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8 is really good too. Finally, brethren, what does it say? Whatsoever things are pure, lovely, noble of a good report, trustworthy, praiseworthy, all those things, that's what you've got to think on. Okay, so we're talking about the peace. Listen to me, imagine about never worrying again about anything. Imagine never worrying about anything. That seems so impossible, doesn't it? We have worries at school, <clears throat> we have worries at college, we have worries on the job or not the job because we don't have one. We worry in our homes, we worry in our families. But what does Paul tell us to do? Here's the reason why we don't have to worry. Here's what God is telling us when He says, Do not worry. Here is what we need to do. Listen to this. And this is what Paul tells us to do turn your worries into prayers. Patricia got it. Thank you, Patricia. Turn your worries into prayers. That's it. That's it. I mean, what more do you want? Give it to God. Come on, give it to God. That means when you start worrying, stop and start to pray. Stop yourself and say, Philip, I'm going to just stop worrying about that. I'm just going to pray about it. And when you pray about it, how many knows that when you give it to God, he's able to handle it. Don't take it back. Cast your care upon him because he is able. He takes care of you. I wonder how different our lives would be if we had the right balance. Think how much we worry versus how much we pray. Think if we got our prayer in the right perspective and we got our worry out of our lives. Just think where our lives would be. You may say, I don't worry too much, Pastor P. Well, hey, if you worry 10 minutes a day, that's 10 minutes more than you should be. And that's 10 minutes you're robbing God the opportunity to move in your life. Do I hear an amen, an hour, an ouch or something in the house? Look at the time you spend worrying. And the time you could be spending praying. Wow. When we pray and when we give it to God, listen, we just read, He promises to give us peace. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Come on, he promises to give us peace that goes beyond what you can reason in your mind. We still give it to God, but then we still keep going. Anyone like that in here? We still try and figure it all out. Well, how can you do it? God says, listen, let me give you peace. And what I want to give to you goes beyond you can't figure it out in your dumb head. That's what God is saying. Why the Bible says his ways are above ours. His, 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 his thoughts are above ours. Come on, why do we want God to be like us? We want to be like him. Is that an amen in the house? But yet we've tried to make God like us. We want to be in his image and likeness, not him in our image and likeness. Say, help me, Jesus. God's peace is different to the world's. You see, true peace is not found in positive thinking. If I can just think positive, I'm going to have peace. No, you're still going to have problems. True peace or the world's peace is not the absence of conflict Or just having good feelings. Because there's always going to be something else. True peace comes through knowing that God is in control. That God is in control. Worry is not only a sin. It's a disrupted, broken down prayer life. Because if you're worrying, you ain't praying. And you may say, Pastor P, I'm praying. Well, you need to pray a little bit more. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to pray a little bit more. Come on, you need to pray a little bit more. Look at your neighbor square in the eye and ask him this question Have you prayed about it? Have you, have you really prayed about it? And you're thinking, well, what are they talking about? The things that you're worrying about. Have you really prayed about it? Or have you just worried about it? Because if you've worried about it, you've not only wasted your time, you've wasted the opportunity that God wants to move in your situation. Come on, you've got to hear me. I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're responding tonight. <laughs> Come on, I'm telling you the truth tonight. You're wasting your time and you're wasting God's time. Because God's sitting in his recliner with his arms crossed, watching his TV, just waiting for the opportunity to come into your situation. But as long as you're worrying, you're saying, God, I can handle it. Can I tell you right now, you ain't doing a good job. Because if you were, you wouldn't be worrying about it. That wasn't even in the notes. That was a bonus for you. Can I tell you right now, keep praying. And don't quit. We see in in Matthew it talks about asking and continue to ask. Seek and knock and the doors will be open. Give it to God and you keep praying and you keep believing. You may not see it right now but don't worry about it. Trust God that your joy may, his joy may remain. That your joy may be full. Notice what it says that we're to prayer and supplication. You know what supplication is? prayer on steroids. I mean, pray and pray some more. But it's like prayer with praise and everything involved with it. Maybe interpretive dance in there and everything. I mean, just get down and pray about it. Get over these little, now I lay me down to sleep. I mean, really talk to God and really pray. Come on, don't worry. Have gladness that his joy may remain in you and make you full.